Greetings and salutations and welcome to another edition of Chris Pods and Things. I'm your host, Chris Stevens. Thank you for checking out the show this week. Greatly appreciate it, whether it be on the host platform, which is Anchor or Spotify. And yes, we are on Spotify. So search for Chris Pods and Things. That's C-H-R-I-S-P-O-D, the letter N and the word T-H-A-N-G-S on Spotify. Subscribe and check out our new episode when it drops, which will most likely be just about weekly. So... Once again, thank you all for listening. Greatly appreciate your time. And we are now entering a full month on a coronavirus lockdown. And I don't know about y'all, but it's actually starting to get to me. And we all know that the word introvert, introvert, pardon me, is overused and misused. So I won't necessarily identify myself as one, but I'm definitely more of a homebody. And that makes more sense. And even being home this much isn't good. So my question for y'all is... How are you occupying your time? Learning anything new? Trying anything different? Or you're just sitting still? For me, I've been trying to get back into writing on a regular basis, which, of course, if you follow me anywhere on various social media platforms, such as Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, I do write novels and self-publish them myself. You can find those on Amazon.com forward slash Chris Stevens Writes, C-H-R-I-S-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-W-R-I-T-E-S, and that's all one word um, after Amazon.com slash forward, um, forward slash, pardon me, and Actually, at the moment, I'm about a quarter of the way through a summer romance that I hope to finish and publish by naturally the summer. And I've also uh, been working on running on five, been working on running five Ks outdoors because I actually have plans to run two official races this spring. Uh, my alma mater, Delaware State University, used to have. Well, I'm not going to say used to. They'll probably have it once we uh, come off a of lockdown. It is a five K color run uh, called the uh, Hornet Hustle and. There was an HBCU 5K in Washington, D.C. I think it was last July that they did it for like maybe, I mean, I think it's an annual event. It probably would have happened this year, but I doubt it's going to happen now because of the virus. So now I'm really just running to run and, you know, getting in shape. And I've lost 75 pounds since December 2018. So pretty happy with my progress. Got a little ways to go, but that's also been a part of, you know, my uh, coronavirus uh, lockdown plan. And the thing about running is you really can't you know, worry about who's around you when you run. So if there's a, if there's a good way to keep six feet distance, you know, social distance away from people is that, you know, you pick up the tempo a little bit. So my five K's are getting faster. My uh, weight is getting down. My body's toning up a little bit. So pretty excited for that. Also, I, uh, and I promised myself that at some point I was actually going to start taking keyboard practice seriously. So for the last two weeks, I've practiced six days a week for 30 minutes a day. And Saturday, I had a breakthrough. I learned two official songs on white keys. I'm still trying to figure out, you know, how to uh, play a full set white keys, and black keys all together with both hands. But I learned two songs. I learned uh, Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and take my breath away from Berlin. I guess you could say that 80s pop ballads and inertia rhymes uh, have kind of like similar chord structures. I guess that, you know, is just a part of, you know, the process of learning how to play keyboard. But at least now that, you know, now I've gotten two weeks of practice and I can at least say that I can play something that sounds intelligible. So that helps. As far as everyone else goes, if you are listening to this show, we do have a uh, Twitter. uh, We do have a a hashtag on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. It's this it's 
hashtag CPNT show, which of course is Chris Pods and things. So if you're listening and you want to, you know, join in on a conversation or start a conversation with that hashtag, remember it's hashtag CPNT show, S-H-O-W. And just tell us what you're up to uh, during the... Uh, during the uh, um, lockdown and uh, quarantine period, because I imagine a month of this has got got us all stir crazy, and it doesn't know it doesn't seem like when the end is going to be in sight, and if the end is going to be in sight anytime soon. Excuse me, but the good news is is that we're still getting quality entertainment in terms of music and television and different things. So I wanted to talk about a few things that caught my interest. Hopefully, maybe you'll enjoy them as well. You know, take a, take these as recommendations. And I wanted to start off with the uh, much critically acclaimed Clark Sisters First Lady of Gospel TV movie that appeared on Lifetime on Saturday. And the movie that touched me in a way that I really didn't expect. And when it was first announced, I every R&B and gospel fan I knew of at the time was going crazy. And I vaguely understood the um, significance of the Clark Sisters because they were among the first few people profiled on a TV one's unsung when it dropped in 2008 tell you how long ago it was I'll be sure was actually narrating unsung so if you're if you plan on looking for it on DVR you're probably not going to catch it so you may be able to find it on YouTube or some other various uh third party channel but I just had no idea how influential they were until the movie um lifetime you know produced um that was produced by a uh, Queen Latifah Mary J. Blige and Missy Elliott that um, was aired on Saturday night on Lifetime. And it re- it really, you know, caught my attention because I have to preface this. I have to preface this with a fair fact. I don't do religion. <laughs> I stopped going to church when I was 17 years old because it just wasn't my thing. And even today in my late 30s, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about religion and spirituality and this, that and the other. But and to say, I say all that to say gospel music really wasn't something that I put, you know, a lot of stock into in terms of, you know, just, you know, discovering and listening and thinking critically and just listening, you know, from a reviewer standpoint, like gospel music was just gospel music. I mean, you know, I didn't think too much about it, but learning the beginnings of the Clark sisters as a group and how Dr. Maddie Moss Clark had to uh, divorce her husband because like a lot of men, he feared a woman with her own mind and ambitions. And to discover that three-part harmony was something that was not exactly exclusive to the church scene at the time that uh, Dr. Clark created in uh, and perfected with her daughters was quite quite the interesting you know discovery and i you know it starts off the movie actually starts off with her calling the girls downstairs because uh karen clark sheard said it on the unsung that mama would call us downstairs at four o'clock in the morning we would think something was wrong she's like god gave me a song so that's pretty much what happens to start the uh movie is that uh dr clark calls each girl downstairs out of their bedrooms to uh practice a new song and the movie in general is basically what you expect of most biopics, humble beginnings, the rise, the conflicts, the fall. But most of the a few biopics have resolutions to the conflicts. And I didn't get that sense of that from the Clark sisters. Uh, if you guys aren't familiar, one of the sisters, uh, Denise, uh, had three children out of wedlock. So either they kicked her out of the group or she left. But either way. 30 plus years after that, you know, conflict, it still seems to be very, very unresolved. If you believe the sister's Instagram accounts, 
<laughs> so she was de- Denise was definitely conspicuous by her absence after certain parts of the movie and in the uh, marketing and rollout of the movie. But I found myself relating to Twinkie, who, of course, was the uh, the mastermind, if you will, of the group. She played Oregon. She rehearsed. She wrote songs. She pretty much was the sound and style of the Clark sisters. And I found myself relating to her because if you are the person that is responsible for the uh, well-being and the fortunes of your family, it's almost never a pleasant thing. And the showdown when Twinkie was getting married to John Terrell, which, of course, didn't work out the way she planned it. But when Twinkie said to uh, Dr. Clark, you know, because Maddie was all like, you need me because you're still a child. And Twinkie was like, yes, I need my mama, but you just need an organ player. And if you're a person in, in the family that everyone in the family looks to, to put out fires and, you know, clean up messes, you start to get the feeling of, am I even a person? Do I have, do I have a right to have my own life? You know, am I going to be stuck cleaning up everybody else's crap forever? So I definitely found, you know, that to be highly relatable. And, you know, even still to this day, it still seems like, you know, they call on Twinkie a lot for a lot of different things. And Twinkie probably just wants them to leave her the hell alone. I mean, you know, probably, you know, as a woman of the church, she probably wouldn't say that. But it's definitely something that, you know, people can relate to if you're, you know, if you're that person in in a position of power, in your family that, you know, people are going to turn to you when certain things need to be parceled, certain things need to be put together, certain things need to be broken down, taken apart, whatever it is. And it can be very, very frustrating because you just want to have your own life and not be responsible for anybody else's stuff. But they will always make you responsible for anybody else's stuff because they, they, um, Twinkie said it herself in the movie that, you know, she was their crutch and, being someone's crutch is never fun. Never fun. Also, um, the most impressive part of the movie to me was the girls, the actual actresses that, you know, were chosen for the roles. They actually sung in the movie. It wasn't like one of those things where, you know, they were lip singing background vocalists. These girls actually sung the songs themselves and held down the singing pretty well. I mean, it's really no surprise that a Kiara Sheard was a... Uh, cast as her mother, Karen Clark Sheard, because, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree because, uh... Kiki's a pretty good singer in her own right. Like, you know, even Layla Hathaway, one of the greatest voices of our generation, said on Twitter, I defy you to name a better singer than Kiki. And she says, you can't. And I'm going to agree with Layla Hathaway because, I mean, if Layla Hathaway is saying that, then, you know, a, a woman who knows, you know, is a vocal Bible in her own right is giving that kind of compliment to Kiki Sheard. I would have to agree with her. But Anjanou Ellis as uh, Dr. Maddie Moss Clark, Give her all the awards, the Emmy, the Oscar, Golden Globes, NAACP Image Award, Soul Train Lady of Soul, you know, put her on, put her on the back of the church fans, whatever you want to do, just give them all to Anjanou Ellis because she played the mess out of Dr. Maddie Moss Clark. Like even Kiki, even Kiki shared herself said she had my grandmother down pat. Like, I don't know. Where that ranks among, like, you know, the great biopic performances. I mean, you obviously got Will Smith as uh, Muhammad Ali, Jamie Foxx as Ray Charles, but you, um, um, Faye Dunaway as uh, Joan Crawford and Mummy Dearest. But, you know, Anjanou Ellis really stepped up and played the mess out of Maddie Moss Clark. She deserves, like, every conceivable award possible. 
you know, those were the two of the things that stood out to me in the Clark Sisters movie. Overall, I'd say it was an enjoyable biopic, whether you are a uh, church religion person or not, you'll enjoy, you'll likely enjoy the story of a family of black women who made their way on their terms and in a world, even, you know, quickly, just real quick about Church of God in Christ. You know, it seemed like they weren't too big on women having rules of power, which is why they consistently tried to kick Dr. Clark out of the, you know, strip her of her title as the uh, Michigan uh, Kajic uh, um, director of music because she was performing with her daughters. And they were like, well, why are you singing and dancing on the Grammy Awards? And that speaks more to the restrictive nature of church in general, not just, you know, Kojic churches, but but churches in general, because. There's really, you know, either you can either you can have one foot in, you can, either you have both feet in, or you have both feet out. And there, the movie in itself, you know, from uh, you know, their their um Dr. Clark's husband, you know, going back and forth with her about her ambitions, and eventually Dr. Um Pastor Clark, excuse me, uh, put his hands on Jackie, the oldest, was that. Men really seem to be intimidated by women who have ambitions, who have their own minds, who have their own thoughts, and especially in the church, because church, you know, apparently is still one of the last bastions of men, you know, men controlling everything because women have really put their feet, you know, put their foot down and drew a line in the sand that says, we are not beholden to you. (laughs) You know, we are our own people. We have our own thoughts. We have our own feelings, our own ideas, and it's been slow adjusting you know, for men in general in that, um, in that thought process. And the Clark sisters movie was definitely a highlight of that, but definitely check it out. If you have lifetime, it's, it's probably on demand and you know, it'll probably air again at some point over the next few weeks because people are talking about this movie nonstop, you know, in the gospel realm and the church realm and the secular realm. So be sure to, you know, go check out, you know, the Clark sister, the first lady of gospel, because you'll be pleasantly surprised, even if you're not a church person, the story itself is just compelling on its own. And I think that, you know, anyone who could sit down for two and a half hours and just watch it will learn something from it, will be touched by it and take something from it. Absolutely. And also wanted to get into my favorite album of the moment, which was just released a couple of weeks ago, which was uh, Thundercats. It is what it is. And if you're not familiar, he is a bassist um, with heavy fusion jazz, funk, acid jazz, rock, and R&B influences. Drunk was one of my favorite albums of 2017. I was happy to see that Thundercat was coming out with a new album. And it's really a tribute to the late Mac Miller, who was a very popular rapper, singer, songwriter, producer, who battled demons all the way up until the end of his life. I think Mac was 26 when he died. I'm sure somebody will probably uh, correct me on that. And it's also a meditation on existential dread, which I think we're all dealing with at the moment because, you know, we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. Got to wear masks if you do go out. And it's a perfect album for the time to just kind of vibe with it and ask what the hell is going on with the world and what the hell is going on with my life. And it's not all gloom and doom. And just to... um. You know, for example, Dragon Ball Do-Rag is probably one of the best songs out from a musical instrumental standpoint, but it's pretty much a funny song about a dude who wants an all-night session with his girl while, of course, wearing his Do-Rag. Like, Thundercat says stuff like, you know, you don't have to like my video games or comic books, but please tell me you like my Do-Rag. And I may be covered in cat hair, but I still smell good. You know, it's just, 
you know, it's a funny song, but it's an entertaining song. And it actually sounds very good if you, you know, listen to his bass lines because Thundercat, you know, is a top-notch bassist. And um, another standout track has uh, Steve Lacey from the internet, uh, everyone's favorite uh, black, non-black guy, Donald um, Donald Wright, a.k.a. I mean, Donald Wright. I mean, Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino, and one of the legends of funk, Mr. Steve Arrington, who was, of course, in the group Slave and had his own group, Steve Arrington. Steve Arrington's Hall of Fame, and that track is called Black Claws. Um, they performed it, I think, either on Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, one, one of the Jimmys. They were on one of the Jimmy shows, and they they tore the house down with that song. And, and the album version is just as good. And my um, my second, my third favorite track on that album is uh, Interstellar, Interstellar Love, because if you like spacey jazz fusion stuff, like the stuff Herbie Hancock used to do. Matter of fact, Herbie Hancock's um, 80th birthday was actually today. Shout out to the legend, Herbie Hancock. Happy 80th birthday, sir. And if you like that kind of spacey, you know, sonic, you know, out of this world kind of fusion jazz, Interstellar Love is a pretty good track to uh, listen to. Overall, the album is only about 38 minutes long. So in spite of the listed tracks, it's really short. But the music is so good and the subject matter hits so hard that you don't feel cheated. Well, I don't feel cheated. Maybe you might have wanted, you know, a couple songs to be longer, but... What you do on um, what you do with the time you listen to the music is up to you, but it's a really solid 38 minutes. Um, Existential Dread is the one song I wish that was longer than 50 seconds, but I think maybe that's the point of that song. You can't really harp and dwell on things too long, no matter how difficult it may seem. All in all, if I'm going to rate albums on this podcast, and since I'm a writer, we'll do instead of five stars, we'll do notebooks. And I would give it is what it is four and a quarter notebooks. Wouldn't call it the perfect album, but. It's perfect for the times, and honestly, that's more than enough. And one more thing before we get up out of here, um, one more thing I wanted to talk about. It is the return of millennial black America social media's favorite show to debate, argue, sub each other about, and that would be Insecure, which appears on HBO on Sunday nights on HBO. Um, Sorry for the repeat. Uh, Season 4 premiered Sunday night with a slight bombshell. Well, not really a bombshell, more like a finally. And uh, Issa is in her apartment on the couch, lounging on the phone with an unknown person and just says off the rip, you know, the very first scene of season four. I don't fool with Molly anymore. And considering the push pull that is their friendship, it was probably time for it. So it seems like this season is going to be about the end of, you know, fake friendships and friendships that don't, you know, have any reciprocity or equality in them. And that is a, that is a um, plot line that I wish a lot more shows, not just black shows, but shows in general would, you know, bring up because we can talk about romantic problems. We can talk about family problems, but for some strange reason, friendship problems kind of fly under the radar. And that you know, is a very important part of everyday life. Like, who are your friends? Like, you know, who are your real friends? Who are the ones that have your best interest at heart? Who look out for you? Who want to help? Who want to be there for you? And it seems like whenever Issa has something going on, Molly just seems to, you know, either, you know, give some negative reaction, negative feedback, advice, or gets in her feelings about her problems because maybe she doesn't view Issa as an equal. And that 
is very problematic in any friendship. Like if your friends don't view you as equals, if they view you as lesser than, then there's going to be problems throughout that friendship. So that is something that I'm glad that they are, you know, exploring. It looks like they're going to explore this season because we really have to, you know, reconcile our ideas of what friendship truly is, especially in in these days and times, you know, with, you know, political strife, you know, you know, gender equality, race, all the, you know, class, all these different things that, you know, bring us together and in many ways bring us and, you know, tear us apart. And those things, you know, can either make or break a friendship as they should, because if someone doesn't view you as equal or, you know, respects you as a friend, then, you know, why are you, what are you hanging around them for? So I'm glad Insecure seems like they're going to be um, tackling that this season. And, you know, Issa just needs new friends in general. You know, Molly is the worst kind of friend because she's never really happy for Issa or shows any ability to think or feel outside of herself. And Molly, of course, Molly's relationship choices are poor, to say the least. Poe choices, Twink. Poe choices. And, you know, if you, if you saw the Clark Sisters movie, you know where that quote's from. And Tiffany Dubois, of course, played by the very controversial Amanda Seals, is probably the worst friend because she likely did hook up uh, Issa's new business partner, Condola, with her ex, Lawrence. And that being said, it looks like I think they are going to flesh this out because it's 10 episodes of Insecure this season instead of the usual eight, which highlighted the last three summers. So it looks like this is going to last the entire spring and it'll be something that, you know, hopefully we'll get a slow burn of Issa and Molly's uh, friendship breakup. Because if you're just going to say they don't bang with each other, you know, two, three episodes in, what are the last seven episodes going to be about? But if it if it gets to like five, six, seven, eight, where they, you know, finally have the... Uh, the conflict that ends all conflicts, you know, then that's fine. And as I said in the beginning of this, um, beginning of this, uh, breakdown, um, a lot of, you know, shows, you know, a lot of streaming shows, TV shows, they cover romantic and familiar estrangement all the time, but friendships breaking up definitely needs more of a plot line as a run as a plot line. And if they do this right, it could start a new trend because you can always, I mean, romance is always going to be, you know, love, hate, family's always going to be love hate but friendships are supposed to be the one constant and if your friendships aren't constant then that's where you know the problems you know kind of you know start to occur as the great slick rick would say and other points of interest about that first episode you know putting the great Raphael Sadiq in charge of the music was the best decision Issa Rae ever made you know when she uh started her um when HBO gave her the uh green light to uh film and you know and they would they would run insecure is that putting Raphael Sadiq in charge of the music was just like the best thing because insecure always either introduces you to new artists like you know Alex Isley you know had a song on the on the first episode Thundercat the previously mentioned Thundercat Black Claws appeared in the episode and the music just seems to be always timely like it's never out of place it's the right artist the right song the right mood for the scene, whatever it may be. And it's incredible. And when your music, when the music can help, you know, tell the story as much as the actors, actresses and the writing and the actual performances, then you've got something. And, oh yeah, there were more sex scenes in episode one than a Pornhub uh, search. 
<laughs> I mean, golly. Like, there was at least three or four instances of people, you know, getting it in. I mean, that's not really too unusual for the 30 minutes of Insecure, but I guess maybe getting these you know, heavy scenes and hot and heavy scenes out of the way kind of gives you an idea of where this season is going. That's maybe not going to be too focused on, you know, the actual romance and, you know, you know, the actual, you know, sex, you know, nuts and bolts of sex, as it were. But just to uh, summarize, Issa's uh, partner was a uh, is a neighbor named Calvin. They call him TSA Bay. He's a chubbier guy. And there may be a room, may, may, there may be room, excuse me, for a discussion down the line about, you know, how heavier people, plus size people in sex scenes on TVs and TV and movies seems to always, you know, be fodder for jokes instead of, you know, they are human beings who um, enjoy, you know, sex, love and affection like everybody else. Maybe that'll be discussed on this podcast at some point in time, but you know, not today. It's just, you know, too soon. You know, we don't know where Issa and Calvin's relationship is going. Maybe once we see where their relationship, if there is one goes, we'll probably discuss that a little more, probably bring some people on to discuss insecure as a whole. But yeah, that's one particular, um, as one. And then of course, um, Lawrence and Condola have two, scenes together one is a figment of Issa's imagination and the other is just them actually you know consummating their friendship or relationship as it were and like I said you know maybe they're just trying to get the hot stuff out of the way so the season can be a little more in-depth you know a little more provocative in terms of you know friendships and relationships in that manner and I'm looking forward to it like there's not much else going on you know as as a sports fan, there are no sports. I'm suffering greatly. Like, how many old games can I watch on YouTube? How many old... Oh, 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 oh. Wait, 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 wait. I forgot. The uh, ESPN 30 for 30 about the Chicago Bulls Last Dance premieres on Sunday. So, that likely will be a topic of discussion on this podcast as well with some other folks. So, it's not all is not lost for sports fans, but until they figure out either... Either this curve flattens out or we get an actual widespread vaccination. We ain't going to handle sports on live sports anytime soon. So looks like we're going to be watching everything on YouTube. We're going to be trying. I mean, we're going we're gonna to run out of seasons to watch pretty much. But that's going to do it for this edition of Chris Pods and Things. want to thank you all once again for listening. Once again, we are on Spotify. So search for C-H-R-I-S-P-O-D, the letter N. T-H-A-N-G-S, subscribe and listen to us wherever, whenever we drop. And we also are on Anchor FM, which is, of course, our home platform, anchor.fm forward slash C-H-R-I-S-P-O-D, P-O-D, pardon me, anchor.fm forward slash C-H-R-I-S-P-O-D, the letter N and T-H-A-N-G-S. There we go. Once again, if you uh, have any suggestions or feedback or just want to, you know, Get a conversation going with us. We have a hashtag, hashtag CPNT show, or you can email me personally at Chris Stevens writes, C-H-R-I-S-S-T-E-V-E-N-S-W-R-I-T-E-S at gmail.com. Feel free to reach out, you know, suggestions, critique, feedback, whatever's on your mind. We can talk about it on another show. And thanks once again for listening to Chris Pods and Things. I'm your host, Chris Stevens. Till next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay up.